BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver's newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. The final investment decision by the group of international firms to create a massive liquefied natural gas project represents the largest single private sector infrastructural endeavor in Canadian history. Some $40 billion in economic activity is going to be generated even in the first phase. Now, for Canadian businesses, this affords significant opportunities. And on the podcast today, we're going to have a look at these with Stuart Muir. He's the executive director of ResourceWorks, an organization that advocates for the resource sector in BC. ResourceWorks is staging a luncheon next Wednesday, November 14th, at the Pacific Rim Hotel to discuss the details of these opportunities. But Stuart's going to give us a taste of what's to come today. Thanks for joining us, Stuart. Thank you, Kirk. Let's um, let's first of all look at the uh, the timelines for this before we uh, get right into the actual opportunities. We're looking at a project that is what over over about the next four to five years in terms of construction. That's right. That's what's required to build the components, finish the pipeline, have it all in place so they can start shipping liquefied natural gas to Asia. Yeah, the the largest uh, single investment uh, in infrastructure in our history, and so how how is it allocated? You know, we break down what what we're really dealing with here in terms of uh, uh, you know what gets spent where. Sure. Ba- basically, there's three parts to it. First of all, there is where we get the natural gas that's inside BC. It's the shipping the natural gas in a gaseous form to the coast. That's a pipeline. And then there's what happens on the coast, basically a giant freezer unit to turn that gas into a more shippable liquid. So each of those three components has its own particular uh, opportunities, challenges in terms of making the the, the, uh, infrastructure work and and so forth. Uh, In some cases, we already have a long track record, like in the northeast of BC, in drilling for natural gas, getting it to the surface, get it into gas processing plants in towns like Taylor, and then being able to ship it into, into the system. Right now, that system is largely pointed down to the United States, which is not a very good arrangement for Canada. We're losing money on that. So we've already got most of that built. You know, it's pretty easy to go and drill another well. You know, it just means spending $10 million or $15 million using equipment that already exists. So they just need to scale that up. That's pretty easy to think about. There's mm-hmm. lots of interesting... Uh, offshoots, and I think we'll come back to this. But I think the second piece is the pipeline. That's a new pipeline corridor. Um, our economist has looked at it, figures. Now, I don't want to give away all of our all of our study for next week, but we figure there's about a $6 billion impact that will come into the BC economy. Most, mm-hmm. most of it staying, probably 80% of it staying in BC. Some okay. of it will go to Alberta, some of it to Ontario. And and then the third piece is what happens on the coast. And, and here's where it's a little bit... Uh, new ground because this will be the first time that there's been an LNG export terminal built. So uh, our economist was actually having trouble finding a base from which to calculate the impact of it. It's an interesting problem to have because uh, it's new in Canada. It's it's an interesting problem to have, but it's a good one um, in the sense Mm -hmm. that, of course, it will generate an awful lot of, and and I think when I saw the presentation recently from the LNG Canada team to the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade, they were talking really about massive numbers of person years involved in the construction of all of this. Provide a bit of a sense of the scale here that we're dealing with in, in terms of employment as the project gets built. 
Yeah, well, it's really building quietly, but I think when it is turned on full, it'll be somewhat like the Sightsee Dam, where if you go up there, it was up last summer at the workers' housing. These are three stacked up uh, trailers, but these are not, if you're imagining ATCO trailers, like maybe you went to grade four in, this is not like that. These are industrial scale, uh, stacked up like an apartment building in downtown Vancouver, um, where thousands of workers can enjoy basically the amenities of home in in a very comfortable living quarter. So we're going to see uh, outside Kitimat, you go not far out of town. Last summer I went by and there's a site where they're putting something like that together to house the workers. That's just one thing. I mean, there's investment into transportation, manufacturing, construction, and then all the services required for this because you think, okay, you've got uh, real estate transactions, you've got insurance, you've got financial guarantees and transactions that need to take place all of these have to be provided by somebody they're they're massive in scale and a lot of that activity is going to be captured in british columbia yeah and well let's let's look specifically then at what is in it for us if you want to look at the uh, at, at the more selfish piece of it how much activity do you think you know, comes into british columbia and stays in british columbia well, that's a, that's a good question, and, and it's one of the things that we are trying to uh, provide to people next week. So we'll have a panel uh, of, of experts. We'll have Brian Yu from the, the uh, credit union uh, financial body. We will have Patricia Moore, who is an eminent, now retired economist from Scotiabank, who spent her whole career covering resource economics, is, is really one of the top experts in the country, as well as the author of our main study, and that's Philip Cross, who for a long time was the chief economic analyst at Statistics Canada. Mm-hmm. So we've got really the best minds in the country to dive into these details. But here, here's a couple of things that just uh, d- doing the ResourceWorks project I've learned over the last several years. One, one is that compared to you know some other industries in the economy, resources generally, natural gas, mining, forestry, are kind of cool and different because they don't require a lot of imported components in order to do the work required mm-hmm. compared to say automotive you know if you want to build a car in canada well you're shipping in this piece from there and that all these components are imported not not all of them are made in canada so you're really dealing with a an assembly mentality which is great it creates really good jobs but resources are even better because we don't need to import those pieces the, the pieces if you will the trees the, the natural gas those pieces are already here all we have to do as is, is use our ingenuity and our, our labor to get them to the point where they're marketable. And there's a huge amount of endeavor required to do that, especially because we need to do it safely and environmentally responsibly. We can't, in this day and age, times have changed, you can't get away with leaving a mess behind or creating unwanted environmental effects. It's simply not acceptable. It's not legal to do so. So it's very costly to do that. And so the, the interesting thing is that it's it's all of those costs of doing it right that create all the economic benefit. Yeah, exactly. The the uh, Harkening back to the LNG Canada presentation again uh, that I saw a couple of weeks ago, they really are professing the desire to make this the world's, uh, first of all, the world's most environmentally uh, sound project of its kind. And of course, to make it also safe. Um, they all have experiences of, of, uh, of problems and injuries and deaths in some cases at projects of, of these, mm-hmm. of the scope. Um, in a lot of ways, do you think that, that we have the, uh, 
in-house ingenuity um, for a lot of this work or or will we really be depending um, for the time being on a lot of outside help in order to make sure that this is the project that everybody wants? Well, on the first two of the pieces that, that we talked about, the the drilling of natural gas, that's something Canada's been doing for a long, long time. Yeah. But all you know how people... So I think that's pretty good. The pipeline also, uh, it's a Canadian thing. We're able to do this very safely. The LNG uh, plant on the coast, I don't think there's any you know reason to be alarmed at all. But I think it's still a new area. So we can't say, all right, we've, we've got a track record because we've built 10 of these, but we haven't done that. However, I, I think the industrial safety we have the trade unions that are uh, part of this story, the worker groups, you know, one of our presenters next week is from Skills Canada, BC, and they're very proud of the safety as well as the, the skill level, the integrity of the work. And these people are rallying behind it. One of our issues is definitely going to be, can we get all the workers needed at yeah. the time that they're needed? Yeah. Um, this is going to be, you know, one of the big management challenges of doing a project on this scale. And so you don't want to dilute the quality of the work that you've got. It, in in the course of meeting deadlines that's uh that's no doubt something that uh, the project management is is having to deal with so um th these are good issues whether we have all the answers right now specifically i think as time goes on we'll we'll start to know more is it um becoming possible yet to anticipate what will be the the legacy effect here uh, what kind of uh, skills will be developed as a result of creating a project like this and how they can be applied as it's operating well that's a it's a really interesting question because i think when you have a project like this that is international into new markets you're in addition to whatever's uh, created with a say a 40 50 year market to deliver natural gas to Malaysia or China or Japan or Korea, you've also got kind of trading bridge effect where in Canada, we're going to have people who are more used to dealing with trade issues internationally in British Columbia. In other parts of the country, there's a little more experience there perhaps. But in, in BC, we're going to have more of that from this. So I think as you look at ports like in Prince Rupert, which is just a short, pretty short drive away from Kitimat where LNG Canada is, you're going to see a concentration of expertise of people who know how to get something shipped to Asia or brought from Asia. And we're going to need that expertise for other things. So I think there's a kind of uh, cluster effect of, of the, the personnel as well as the infrastructure. You know, the, the railroad, the airport is inevitably going to be, which is already pretty good. The Terrace Airport is really fantastic. It dates some of the infrastructure to the Second World War when it was needed for defense. So it was built really skookum for whatever was needed. That's still around. So they've improved the terminal there. I was in, in, in Terrace Airport last week. You, you think you're going into uh, El, you know, Vegas or something. It's really brand new, beautiful infrastructure. It's not, it's not massive, but it serves the need of industry in that area. And you've got more hotels being built. This has another nice side effect, which is it makes tourism a more thriving industry. It's really challenging to get people to that part of BC. But lots of people would like to go there because it's a beautiful place, whether it's bear watching or fishing or any number of things. Um, but now now they're building more hotels so more people could go and spend their tourism money there. Yeah. Is, is one of the evident uh, benefits of this also, Stuart, the idea that for uh, another generation now, um, we won't necessarily see northern British Columbians having to think about moving in order to 
in order to make a living and pr- pursue careers, that this is actually going to be a, a big retention project for the region? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the issues there because they have been losing population. They've lost industry, but it's also a pretty cool place to live. I was up at a brew pub there uh, last last week at a couple of uh, uh, samples and they're doing some amazing work. It was a, the hottest place in town. It was like being, you know, in any mm-hmm. suburb of, of greater Vancouver at a, at a place like that. It's a nice place to be. They've got a ski hill that has got a legendary backcountry that's easy to get to. It doesn't have a lot of lifts, but it's incredible. One of the top 10, believe it or not, they were telling me, top 10 ski areas in the world. And I'd never even heard of it. Um, great lifestyle. There's reasons to go there now that weren't there. It's it's also uh, First Nations. And the reason I was in the Northwest was was to meet with a number of First Nations. And they, they have some, some historic, powerful First Nations up there. These are, um, you know, well-known, large populations who are struggling and trying to achieve development on their terms, who are looking for ways to plug into LNG, preserving the environment. I mean, that's number one. The first thing, any conversation is, okay, what about the environment? Because their perspective, and I've heard this from many leaders, is, um, look, we've been looking after our environment for 10,000 years. We think we can do it you know, for the next 10,000, but don't leave us on the sidelines like you have for the last couple hundred years in this yeah. you know, yeah. European picture. Yeah. And, and is that, I mean, I suppose that's a good way for us to round out the conversation, but is that, uh, in a lot of ways, perhaps what will be the, almost the, uh, the significance of this project is that it is going to be probably the most profound nation to nation project that we've created. Oh, by, by far. And last summer I, I went, I got an RV. I wanted to talk to people and the, the chiefs along that line, the new the new corridor, particularly the, from Prince George to the coast, because that's where the new pipeline is going to be laid. And I wanted to to meet those chiefs. And it was, uh, I think, I didn't find anyone there saying, oh, we don't want this project. It was, it was uh, well, we're open to this conversation. We'd like to find out what the benefits are for our people. We, we want to make sure that the environment is not compromised by anything we should do. And otherwise, you know, what what are the ways to plug in? So um, that was consistently uh, what I heard, whether it was larger First Nations or some of the tiny ones. And there are some very small ones like the Skin Nation, which uh, you have to get a, off the highway and then onto a ferry and then drive 45 minutes through the backcountry to get mm-hmm. to the council hall for, for the, the Skin Tai First Nation. But I did that drive and got out there and had a great chat with a counselor. You know, they're, they're, they're very much... Uh, in, in two worlds, I think, in a place geographically that looks isolated to us, but culturally, all of the problems and, and issues that are familiar to any parents or educator or, or government person, they, they've got all that too. Well, Stuart, it's been a good conversation, but uh, you're going to pick it up next Wednesday uh, with a discussion on stage at, uh, at the Fairmont Pacific Rim. Um, wanted to give us some details about how people fetch their tickets for that. Yeah, I'll try to make it real easy. If you just punch in resourceworks.com, our landing page, the first thing you see, we'll guide you through. We do have tickets that are on sale, and we are looking to bring you know people who are interested in uh, the issues. There's many dimensions to this. I think the climate one, we haven't had, had time in this conversation, but I think it would be a great one, how LNG is going to be part of how China and other countries that have a lot of pollution are trying to escape the problems they have right now. 
and we're definitely part of that. But uh, we'd like to have people who are looking at business opportunities, be it manufacturing, small business, business services, finance. You know, there's lots to learn from this. Yeah, it should be a great discussion. Thanks for your time today, Stuart. Thank you, Kirk. And that's Stuart Muir. He's Executive Director of Resource Works. And that's BIV Today for today. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time.